Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Just can't stress enough the importance of connections. Going to law school, by the way, does not mean you have to be an attorney. And people hire people based on connection. So the people that get to the top are the ones that get attention. And I'll start answering questions. And then some people, oh, great. So we got some recovery letters. So we'll review those and then we'll take questions. And then if anybody has any more questions as well, then that's great. So if you can add those, but I'll start with the questions. Okay, so this is the first question. The one thing I wanted, just a quick point that I think is really important for everyone to understand is job, jobs are gotten and, and people hire people based on connection. And so the connection is very important. And the extent your cover letter is your really your one opportunity to make a connection. And, and what I mean by connection is, let me just put this down as a rule, is I'll just give you some examples. So I all the time I'm talking to I'm talking to candidates and I, I remember not too long ago talking to this candidate and he'd gone to like Rutgers or something, was in the middle of his class and working at a good firm, a major US American law firm in, in New York City and one of the largest firms in the world. And and he, his job started maybe in January or something as opposed to September when everyone else did and he hadn't done a summer associate job or anything anywhere. And I was like wow, like, this is crazy. How did you get this job? And he said, I was, went to the dog park and I was walking my dog and it was in New Jersey somewhere and, and the partner and his wife were there from this firm. And he said, well, why don't you send me your resume and I'll be happy to talk to you. And so that's how that person got a job. And so people get jobs based on connection all the time. Numerous placements I've made, more than I can count, were based on connection. When you're trying to get a job, the most best tool that you have to get any job is making connection with an employer and getting a connection, getting that connection is if you can't, is if you're the cover letter is really the, is your best tool if you can use it. So some sort of connection is important. And that means if this person is able to connect with someone that was raised children and went back to work. If this person, someone respects them for what they did. And all these things are about connection. So I just can't stress enough the importance of connection. So how should I frame a cover letter when I was fired from my last job, especially a new attorney where my experience was less than six months. I was laid off after only a few months by an inexperienced partner supervisor. And now I'm trying to change my thing in a partner life. Okay. So the first thing is, this is just a rule that I would recommend is if a firm doesn't have the money to pay you and they lay you off and it's a small firm or I don't know what it would be, but then you don't really need to say anything about it. If they ask you about it in the in the interview, that's perfectly fine, but you don't need to say anything about it. You just apply for the job and you could say I was laid off. But one of the things I would say about what you're saying, inexperienced partner supervisor, and that may be the issue. A lot of times, and this is what most people do, so you're not alone, but you shouldn't be blaming. You, you need to take a look at what you could have done differently instead of blaming the firm for laying you off. So maybe you could have worked hard or maybe you could have done something. So the kind of letter that employers never see is I didn't bill enough hours and now I know the importance of really getting work and they never see stuff like that. But if you're ever accountable and you take accountability for this stuff, that's very rare. And that's not something people ever see. I would not necessarily blame the firm. I would think about what you could have done differently and then just not do that in your next next position. Uh, people learn all sorts of lessons and different jobs and that may be one of them. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, 
you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Okay, so this is another question. So I may be wrong, but it seems that most online job postings do not require a cover letter. Should you try to submit one even if there's no way to do it? So yes, you can. It's interesting, like I had opening recently for a COO and for our company and received hundreds of applications, but only a few people went out of their way to message me on LinkedIn and connect with me and then try to tell me how much they were interested in the job and then send a cover letter through that, even if it's another one. And that got my attention. And I'm like, I got to respond to these people. And so these people actually rose to the very top of my pile, even though I had all these other applicants, because I'm like, oh boy, I got these respond, these people tech- connecting with me and messaging me on LinkedIn. I better respond to them. And then I looked at their stuff and it, it got my attention. So your cover letter, if you have another way of getting in touch with people or the people that are in charge of hiring and getting there very smart, because that worked with me. All the stories I've told you today. And then, and then one person talked about how they'd worked in another, I think they were working in a law firm doing CO type work or something and it works. So yes. So anything you can do to get the employer's attention is a big deal and you should do your best to get attention. And I would recommend sending something, find out who the person is on LinkedIn and, or find texting or emailing the person, emailing the person yourself or emailing the hiring partner. If it's a law firm and it's not person is listed or person in charge of the practice group, getting the person's attention is huge and, and it can make a major difference. So if you don't do that, then you're going to not rise to the top of the pile. So I'll tell you another thing that's very interesting. So at BCG, like when we're submitting candidates to firms, like we don't just submit them with a resume and cover letter to an email address or an online portal. We also usually send a fax, even though people don't use faxes anymore. Then we'll also send written letters that we print and we'll do everything that we possibly can to get attention. And and so your job, and that's one of the, and it works because not everybody reviews every email, but they certainly take a look at faxes. Not everybody reviews every fax, but they certainly, if they get a letter in the mail and they open it up and it sits on their desk, it makes a big difference. So these are tools and things that you should be doing to get a job and you should make sure that you get your cover letter out there. It makes a difference. And especially if there's no way to do it, the, the people that get attention again, like I showed you up here earlier, we hire people that, that want the job. So everybody does. So if somebody wants the job and there's no way to submit a cover letter and you're able to submit a cover letter through LinkedIn or through finding the person's contact information, then that's much better than what other people are doing. Other people are just like lemmings and not doing these other things. So I definitely would recommend that. So that's a great question. Thank you. Person's name is David. And someone just said the chat is disabled. Where do I send my cover letter to be reviewed? Just send it into the chat in the webinar. Okay. So here's another question. So someone says, 
when writing a cover letter, who is the best person department to address it to? So I'm going to give you some advice that no one's ever going to tell you. And, and, but I will, I'm going to give it anyway. So there was a guy named Wayne Starr and, and he's not alive anymore. He was a Yale law school graduate and he started this business where he would help people mail out their resumes. And, and I'll never, and so we used to have a business doing that probably still should because it's most extremely effective. I'm mailing people's resumes out to employers. But what Wayne said is that you always, send a letter to the CEO of a company. He was talking about executives getting positions because if it comes to, it goes to the CEO of the company, then the CEO is always going to forward it to the HR department and the HR department's going to pay attention to it if it goes to the CEO. Very interesting. So if it goes to the CEO, then the HR department, and it comes from the CEO, they don't know how the CEO got it. They don't know if it's a friend of theirs or whatever, but many times they're more likely to get jobs. Most law firms have recruiting departments and recruiting coordinators whose job is to get those resumes so the hiring partners and the managing partners are not bothered by them. And, and especially with recruiting firms, if a recruiting firm sends something to a hiring partner, then they'll be told, oh, you got to work with this person. Or so, but the point is that if you're just applying for firms and jobs, you have a lot of options of who to send your cover letter to. If you're applying for a, a certain type of job in a, I meet partners all the time and they're like, we're desperate for people in this practice area, but you wouldn't know it when you talk to the recruiting department. And so the recruiting department has this role in, the, in firms and it's not a bad role. It's what they're doing where they have, where they're told by powers to be, meaning the executive power of the firm, who they can, who they should be hiring and who they shouldn't, meaning what department. So if the law firm wants to invest in its corporate or they want to invest in its IP, then they're going to hire people in those departments. Even if bankruptcy has a need, they may not want to hire in bankruptcy because they've, who knows? But so sometimes you're actually much better off. You can write the recruiting department and you should. But, and again, I'm not trying to get in trouble here, but if you write the managing partner of a practice, the head of a practice area, or you write someone in, in the employer, if you're applying to in-house or at the CEO, if, you're, if you write someone in addition to these recruiting departments, that, that can often be very smart because you're getting the attention of people that, that were something where if someone asked about a resume, they're like, oh, what about this one I received? So I personally think that's very smart and I'm not telling you to do a runaround of a recruiting department, but, but if you have the ability to write other people, that can often be very effective. And there, and there is nothing wrong with that because those are the people that are, want the people. So the recruiting departments in law firms are, were essentially started because the law firms grew very big and they, it just took too much time for hiring partners and others to go through all their resumes. And then not only that, but the recruiter, they were dealing with recruiters all day long. So the recruiters would always tell them about other jobs and then they could never hold on to them, which is funny. But you just have to be careful about what, think about how to get a position and with someone that you want and get someone's attention. And, and if you really want to work somewhere, that can be an effective way. Okay, well, this question is, what is the best way for an attorney to show interest in a certain position in a cover letter? So the best way is to basically mention the position and then and talk about why, why this is important to you. And so many times, if you, if a law firm has a position, for example, for a certain type of attorney, and and you've know people or you've met people that are that that are in that practice area, 
or you know the work that the firm does and you've been liked it and you have some sort of connection, then then you need to try to do that. So typically you tell people at the beginning of the letter why you're the position you're applying for. This example right here, which I like very much, was they talked about what they like in the job. Even saying something along the line, this is pretty funny, but you could say something like, I, I've applied for, I've obviously applied for jobs in this practice area before, but this is one of the most well-written job descriptions I've ever seen, which is complimenting probably the person that's the hiring recruiting person that's written that. Things along those lines make people like you, whereas most people are just thinking about themselves. Someone says, how will the six-point outline be shared, I'm sorry, with the attendees? I'll, I will save it towards the end of a call with as a Word document. I would just save it as a Word document and send to everyone. Okay, someone said, is there a need to create customized attorney cover letters tailored to specific practice areas? Yes, you should. Your cover letters and your resume, if you can, should be tailored for specific practice areas. And, and that's actually a very good point. If you are a specialist in a certain practice area, or you have, then you, and you're applying for a certain type of job, then, then your resume should ideally be tailored to that practice area. So a lot of times people will cite themselves out of jobs. So an example would be, you may be an attorney that does a mix of corporate M&A and securities and applying for a job doing securities. You don't talk about in your resume how you do lots of M&A. You talk about securities and then you have maybe one little line that says, I also work on M&A stuff sometimes on your resume, but you don't talk about other practice areas. You make sure that the cover letter is in the resume or tailored to that. That's what smart people do. Most people are just not being smart and not doing that. But if you do that, you're going to be much better off. Yes, I will make the notes from this. Someone asked if I can make them printable. I will. Someone with no legal experience write a cover letter for a legal business. Yes. So someone can, that, that's a good point. Yes, of course you can. So you can, even if you don't have any legal experience, you can definitely write a cover letter for a legal positions. Again, it's all this stuff up here, which is the being likable. Do we like you? And are, are you a good fit? Do you want the job? And all these sorts of things. If you really want to work somewhere and you really want to get experience and you're likable, you can make that come through. So you could say, I will be honest with you. I have no experience. I have no legal experience. That's just funny. However, I have never failed. I've never failed at anything I've done. However, I've wanted to be an attorney since I was six years old, put myself to college and law school, and I'm hardest working, most respected, committed, or eager to learn, committed person you will ever meet. Would also be eternally grateful for any job. So something along those lines. So if you were to talk, if you were to write something like that, think about that. So if you got a letter like this, as opposed to one of these letters, these kind of common letters, I'm currently doing this and blah, blah, blah. And this doesn't make a connection, but this does. So you say something along those lines. And so I cannot, I, this is a letter that's making a connection with people. And so when you make a connection like that and you make people like you and you do these things, you show a lot more than, than the average person because most people don't act like they want the job or they don't show like they're going to commit. They don't, they're not, they're not coming across as likable. They're not so that they're not coming across as someone that may do the job long term. They're just, they're a risk. But this, a letter of simple, this is, it takes care of the risk. Now I'm just giving you an example. You could, I could write these all day and each person could do their own, but that's an example. Okay, someone asked how long should an attorney cover letter be? So this question, it's a good question. It should be long enough. So the letter should be long enough to make a connection and make the audience like you. That's it. And that's really the game. So you just, you want to be, you want your letter to be, you want to be able to do that. And if you can do that, that's it. So you can see here, this letter is very short, but this is able to make a connection. And that's really your goal.
Okay, I got some more cover letters. Great. So I got some more. Okay, so this person asked, would the last paragraph just be something as simple? I would welcome. So you don't need to say anything in your last paragraph. So everyone says, I welcome the opportunity. I want to no, know. You don't need to do anything like that. You just, all you need to say is the last paragraph, it can just end. You can just say, thank you. And don't say your time and consideration. You can just say, thank you. So attorneys, by the way, are paid to be succinct and to, to make their point And then to basically, that's it. That's what people want from them. So you need to be able to make your point quickly and and without a lot of fluff. And so fluff is things like thank you for your time and consideration and, and, and just making your points very quick. Okay, so this is how much, how advisable is my contact for about an, over uh, an advertised position? It's very advisable. So again, people that get jobs are the ones that get, get our attention. So it's very advisable to get their attention. So just remember some of the stories I've told so far. Who gets off the wait list, at least used to at the law school? The person that, that sits in the waiting room and shows that they want to want the job. Who got my attention for the COO position? The people that were messaging me on LinkedIn and getting my attention. Who These are the people that get the jobs, especially when there's a lot of applications. So just put yourself, I just want to give you a kind of an understanding of how this works. So employers are sitting there when they have jobs, especially big firms, and they receive, they could receive, I don't know, hundreds of applications a week, whether it's from law students or what are they supposed to do? It's so much work to review those. Every time they have to open an email, they have to click on something and then they have to look at the resume. So they just become like dead. It's they, it's tough. And so I know I've been doing reviewing resumes every day for a quarter century and, and it's, and I, I like it, but it's very difficult for employers because they have have to just review these things all again and again. And, and very few people are really trying to get their attention. So if you make their attention, if you get their attention, that's a big deal. So I'll just tell you real quickly, like what we do at BCG to get an attention, the attention of employers. And, and this is what we do for our candidates. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not here to sell anything. So I just want to be very clear, but I want to tell you the links that we go. So it's uh, we email the for email for jobs or we contact them for jobs and then they meet with us for jobs. They meet with us for jobs. So they have conferences with us and meet with jobs. And then, but then we do, then we submit with a cover letter to emails and then, and then by fax and then a letter. Then we, and then and not only that, but then we start following up every week. Any news? Any news? All the any news? Any news? It sounds crazy, but this is what needs to happen to get the people's attention. So the people that get to the top are the ones that get attention. Now, so it's, this is what you need to do if you're trying to get a job. And again, I'm not, telling you to harass employers. I don't want to upset our clients, but you have to, you really need to be following up with something and doing it, especially if you want the job, because otherwise you're not going to get their attention. Just put yourself in the employer's situation. If you get, if you have a job and you get 300, 300 emails about the job, wow, what are you supposed to do? So you, you'll, you'll look at them and you'll get through them, but you, it'll just, it's too much work. So what they typically do, and again, I'm not attacking employers, but what tends to happen with jobs is this is another thing when you're applying for jobs online is the job will come out and then you should be applying to that job pretty much right away because Imagine like you're an employer and you're getting 200 applications or for a job. You'll look at the applications that come in the first day or so, but then how are you supposed to keep up 
with all these applications that keep coming in for the same job. You can't. They do. And there's some very sophisticated recruiting departments. I'm not going to get into it, but some of them are just awesome that they're able to do it, but most of them can't. So they'll interview from the first group of people. And then after doing, and so the applications that come later are often not seen. Now, if you're able to follow up and make contact with them in other ways, then your resume can go to the top of the pile. I'm giving you advice. This could change your career if you do this stuff. Most people won't, but that's how it's done. So you have to somehow do that. And, and again, I hate to tell people to do this because I don't want to get myself in trouble with employers, but it's the more you follow up, the better. Okay. So common shared experiences versus quite different personal experiences. So yeah, you have to be careful with that. So there's firms that are composed of people that have a lot of shared experiences and those can be our common experiences and those can be religious in nature. They could be, it could be, who knows, self-help groups. I don't know, but there's all sorts of different types of things. The, the idea would be that you would write the person that you have the shared experiences with and and that person would hopefully be the but you wouldn't note those and and people can pick that up from your cover letter i don't want to get too far into it but just people people from different religions will put that on their resume all the time so if someone has done a a mission and they're like lds they'll put that on their and people will and that's okay and and that that's how people many times they get jobs so they've been or they put sports and different things so you can do that but you don't always want to highlight that in your resume you allow people to read into it, I guess, is the answer I'm giving. Is it always practical to read? This person asked, yeah, no, of course, it's not always practical to research the name of the person. But if you really want to get a job and you're a good fit for it, then you need to and you need to research that. Okay, so this is a good point. So what is the line between showing enthusiasm and looking desperate? There is no that. So the I don't know how to explain this, but but I will explain it. So desperate is when no one will hire you. And and so you you look that way and you look needy and, and you want people to. But enthusiasm is different. So enthusiasm is Hey, I think you're great. I, I like you. I like this. I like your, this employer. I think you could do really well. I think I could do really well there. And this is why I like you, blah, 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 blah. And I will tell you the most enthusiastic people that I've ever interviewed. I remember years ago, I was in talks with these. Uh, it was funny. It was in like 2007 or eight. I don't remember, but it was around that time. And, uh, and I was in talks with these private equity and companies to, and to basically buy some companies I was running at the time or to invest in them or I don't know. To buy them. And then when the bottom fell out, all these guys got, and they were guys, and got laid off. And uh, But they were people that had gotten their MBAs from Harvard and Stanford and stuff and Duke and all. And, and so some of them contacted me looking for jobs and because they thought I needed leadership and with their skills. And, and these were the best uh, and they all got jobs. These were the best interviewers I've ever, some of them I've ever seen. They came in, they were completely prepared. They had spreadsheets and other things and graphs. I'd never seen anything like it, how good they were. And what was funny is one of them, I actually made an offer to, and he wanted more money than I I was willing to pay. And so he was like, no, it's rejected. Sorry. And, but this would have been the most desperate job seeker you've ever seen. He came out to my house for dinner. He paid his own way. He was on, I think he was on the East coast. He came and met with me a couple, one or two times. He, he did all these things and very impressive and not by all counts desperate, but no, not desperate, enthusiastic. So the more enthusiastic you are, the more you're likely to get a job. And this particular person was competing against a lot of other people for the same type of job. And, and was the one that got it. Okay. So, but he didn't take it. 
Okay, this is a good question. So I'm going to answer this one. And then I'm going to go back to the cover letters, which will be fun. So let me see here. If it appears job is breaking my career because I had cancer and I passed away. Okay, you're right. So you don't want to make people think that you're crazy or depressed or... And so there are some things that are bad to avoid in cover letters. And, and so you can just say for childcare or something, and then people can learn about this later. The way to handle this typically is you would probably just say something about childcare in your cover letter and then they're taking care of a sick family member or and then and then leave it at that and then your former employer might mention what happened or or you could maybe bring it up softly in an interview if someone asked but that's it so you don't need to and then that would be the connection you make but you don't need to bring it up yeah people do talk people bring up this kind of stuff all the time so talking about things that are a little too personal. And I don't know that this is, but you wouldn't want to put that into a cover letter. Would be dealing with substance abuse issues, and just things along those lines, or mental health issues, or things that people just don't want to hear it, even though they may know about it in the path that something happened. But they just—it's not something you need to be careful. So the and the question you should always ask with these things is: Is it because people will? If people think there's going, if people think you have problems, like whether it's psychological or whatever. They're just going to hire someone that they're not going to be, that's not going to have that. So you have to be very careful about that. Now, people think that there's some sort of benefit to you going through some issues, but you don't talk about them directly, then they're going to be more happy. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. Okay, what should be interpreted in a current cover letter for a clerkship opening? That's a good question. Judges typically aren't going to spend a lot of time. And I actually, when I worked for a judge, I worked reviewing cover letters and resumes. And, and so I'm not an expert in it by any stretch of imagination. But most of the time, they're looking for people that just look like they're good fits for a clerkship, which should be an interest in litigation and, and just a background that looks like you're going to be the best that they can, best, smartest, and best person. That That's pretty much what you want to do. Now, if you're applying for a federal clerkship, judges typically are either Republican or Democrat. If you can point out an affiliation to some sort of political party or someone that may know the judge or you work for some sort of political person in that party, that, that can always be helpful. I think that a lot of times judges will hire along political lines. That's just something, and of course, that's not something all the time, but it's something to think about. And this is another good question. This person says, how can you demonstrate you're not knowledge of the industry, which would be this person's talking about patent law and the firm's practice here in a cover letter. You typically want to do that on your resume. So your resume is what does that. So your resume does that. Now, if you've done a lot of different types of things, you can always do what's called a transaction sheet. This is very advisable, by the way, for, for corporate and then for different types of corporate litigation or not litigation and transactional practice areas. So if you've done and sometimes patent, you can list the types of patents you've done. I like transaction sheets and those can go as an addendum to your resume. And the reason I like them is because the best attorneys keep typically keep them. So what they do is they 
they write down every transaction they've ever done and then they feature those and they're very proud every time they do them and they keep track of them and not everybody does that but the ones that do it, it actually makes a big difference keeping a list of all those is cool it's like you're putting a notch in your belt and you're very proud every time you do them a lot of people most attorneys in transactional practice areas don't do that so if you can do that that's very helpful and then in patent the way you would talk about that is you would basically list all the patents that you were issued or the patents you worked on and and then do that and and this is something that a lot of patent attorneys do, and it's very helpful. Um, it's another question, but I'll answer this one. Thank you for all the questions, too, by the way. This is great. Okay, this is interesting. So a lot of times there's this question that comes up about switching practice areas, which is not something, by the way, that recruiters can help you do, but switching practice areas. When you switch practice areas, and this is difficult, and this is also and practice settings, it, this is not, if you want to work in a law firm, it can be very difficult to do. So typically law firms are, and I've developed this ranking system just so it makes sense, but they're ranked here. I rank them on from the standpoint of five, four through two, one. This is like your very top firms, hardly anybody can get a job with. Firms. And then these are your AMLAW, 100, AMLAW 100 to 200, largest 200 firms. These are your kind of mid-sized firms. These are going to be insurance defense and a mix of individuals, businesses. And these are going to be... Okay, so the, these firms basically, and all this is about is these firms pay the highest salaries, they have the highest billing rates, the same thing with these, and these are going to be lower salaries, lower billing rates, these are going to be even lower salaries and lower billing rates. And these are going to be the lowest salary and lower billing rates. And I, you could probably take this one to 10 too. But the idea is if you're trying to work in, in a practice here where you don't have a lot of experience, you're probably going to have to start out at two firm if you want to do business related work, because who's going to hire you if you don't have the experience? Because law firms are looking for just like you would be. They're looking for people that can do the job, that are going to commit, that, that want the job and all those sorts of things. So there's no way that a law firm, a big law firm, or even a mid-sized law firm is probably going to hire you if you don't have it. So the idea would be you basically would have to start out at a firm where that's willing to hire you to do that type of work. And if you were trying to do business related law, you could start out at a firm doing trust in estates or simple corporate law or something along those lines to get exposure or maybe to two firm or but that's really best or you want to do real estate and construction same thing you could start out doing helping individuals with real estate related things and one of the nice things about the legal profession that i actually think is very positive is you can actually you can start out at a one or two firm and if you conduct your career correctly, end up at a four firm, meaning if you start out and you can get business and you increase, you, know, you can move to a one from a two to a three to even a four. And I've even seen people do five before. It's hard to believe, but it happens. So you, there's always, and it doesn't matter what your background is. If you're committed, you can do it. Uh, now, fives are very hard because most, a lot of those firms, most of them don't even hire laterally and they only hire at a law school, but that's something you could do. This person says, can you close a letter? By simply saying, I look forward to hearing from you. Sure, you can say that, but you look forward to getting rejected or I don't know, but just you, just, you don't need to say anything, but you could say that. Yes. Okay. This is an interesting question. Some people, this person says, what kind of jobs should a person educate and turn without a license to practice law apply for and the person that should practice law for law firms? So you can apply for all sorts of jobs. You can, it depends on what you like. If you like writing, you can be, you can do writing, you can do, you can be a paralegal. A lot of people do that. You can do other careers. You can do 
in your own business. You can do, you have to decide agent or realty you can do. There's just all sorts of things you can do. Going to law school, by the way, does not mean you have to be an attorney. So I have, I remember when I went to law school, my grandmother said to me, you don't have to be an attorney. You can, my, my father wasn't, she said, my father was an attorney and he was, and, but he never practiced. He was a banker and his father was an attorney and never practiced and he was a banker or something. So you don't have to do anything. The law is a good, is a, is a good way to, to get experience or to a lot of times people that are just very motivated go to law school and they become all sorts of entrepreneurs and other things and, and do other types of businesses or they become, there's anything you want to do. You can become a novelist. You can become, it's, I sold one house to the guy that he went to my law school and he wrote Con Air and, and some other screenplays and they become screenwriters. They can become, the, I, there's a lot where I live. There's a lot of real estate agents that went to law school. There's one of my friends that, but they become novelists. There's all sorts of things. You can start businesses. You can become an executive in a company. You can do anything you want. And lawyers have a lot of good skills a lot of times. So what kind of we need to mention about the cover letter? A lot of times in the cover letter, if you have relocated somewhere to a new area, then, and you're living there now. So sometimes people, and this is actually very important. So sometimes people will, they'll get married and move somewhere, or they'll, they'll move somewhere because their mate moved there or their significant other. They'll, they'll, they'll move to another country or and meet with a significant other or even alone or whatever. But whatever the reason is that you have a break in your career because of that, you need, you, this is something, yes, you can discuss in your cover letter. Okay. Yes, you can discuss it real briefly. Okay, and I'll actually just answer that last. Samsung phone. Okay, no, okay, I've done that one. Okay, so I'm going to look at some cover letters now. So just give me one second. And I'm sorry about the delay in looking at your cover letters. I just wanted to do all that first. First one, we'll go back to the cover. And again, I will send everyone these cover letters, this PDF, and we're done. I'll save this and send it to everyone. Okay, read your publication about a vacancy of a council. Sorry, I'm just thinking about this good resume. This is actually fairly interesting. I don't, this is a pretty good resume. I don't even need to run this through Grammarly or anything to know that it's pretty well, that grammar and everything's well done. So it's done well. It's short. And I like this about the reason for wanting to work at the International Finance Corporation. You could shorten this. I'm applying for the council position responsible for a project. This job is, uh, but that's good. And I think this is a very good cover letter. I, and even please do, you know, and please contact me if you have any questions. I what I think it's very direct. I think it's good. I think that this use of the words like passion, who's passionate about handling distressed investments. That's great. But it's, I'm joking, but yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I don't really have any good suggestions for this person's resume, which I'm happy to see. One of the things I don't like about this, and I'll just to be critical, is a lot of times when you review a resume, you look at, you can see I, it's just all I. And that's okay. It's okay. But sometimes maybe focusing this a little bit more on the person. But I think this is very good. A lot of times, and I don't know what this person's resume looks like, but a lot of times people with very good resumes don't need to say a lot because everything that's on the resume already makes the point. And this seems like an example of that. And, and I like this. I think it's a good resume. I wish I could be a little more critical of it, but unfortunately, I think it's fortunate. I think it's very good. Yeah. Please consider my CV. That's very good. Yeah, let me see here. And I apologize for not having more weeks of that particular person's resume. Let me see here. Oh, so this person, sorry, they put on their, okay, they put on their name. So I'm going to make sure I don't put that. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. 
Dear hiring team, so again, you want to make sure that you do what you can to, to make sure that you talk to someone directly. This is not a, a resume, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but just for everyone here, this, all this information is already on the resume, so you don't need to put that. All this is also probably on the resume. And then this, there's a lot of, I think this is another example of something that needs to be proofed a little bit. And again, I'll send this to everyone. Okay, so all this stuff, this volunteer activity and stuff, it's interesting and okay. okay so these are good things that are connecting with a person so that's good and then it's effectively okay so i would just say this particular cover letter needs to be shortened quite a bit i'm not going to spend a ton of time doing this but a lot of this stuff should come should is already on the resume again you don't want to repeat everything because no one's going to read this everything you can do to kind of cut out everything that's already on the just the complicated intricacies around the world i don't know about that this should be rewritten and then and then i would this person i can tell is not a native english speaker i really so what i the biggest thing i would recommend for you would be just to make sure and this is this goes for everybody employers aren't don't think it's the end of the world when you, if you're, especially if you're applying for a patent position, they don't think it's the end of the world if you're, if you don't speak, if you're not a native English speaker. But, but the problem is if you're not, then, then it really comes through. Here you can see, you can just see this editing and things you can do here to fix it. And, and so you, you need to make sure that everything you write is through, goes through a grammar program. And the problem is if you don't speak native English, which I'm sure is a lot of people applying for legal jobs, you, the more you write, the more you're demonstrating that. So many times just writing very little is going to be helpful. And then a lot of this stuff here will be an example of things that could go on a resume and, and be more helpful. And then, so you just need to be very careful. Careful, but I would recommend running this through Grammar program and then also shortening it. All you really need to say is why you want to be a patent engineer if you're not currently doing it. It sounds like I don't know. And then why this position? And then that's really the main thing with that. So I hope that helps. I apologize that I don't can't give more advice. Let me see here. Okay, we've got one more cover letter, maybe another one, and then and then I'll print everyone's notes. Just I print these to send everyone on the call, and we'll also try to send it to the people that were on the call. Okay, let's see here. Okay, I was glad to see a recent job posting first. All right, okay, so a lot of times people will say, I'm ha I was happy to see this job posting, and, and that, by the way, this type of cover letter is very common, And but you don't, okay, let me keep reading. This is actually a pretty interesting cover letter. Okay, so what, what I would recommend for this person, so this person is a, a corporate attorney, so it's the same thing that, okay, this is good too. This particular firm is looking for the job this person is applying for, is they're looking for someone that's, that's fluent in Spanish and this person's fluent in Spanish, so that's very good how they did that. They also write very well, so they've, and they talk about why it's so good. This is actually an excellent opening paragraph. The other thing I would say too, but that I like about this cover letter is you can see the difference in terms of how this is written and structured. So this person is making it very easy for the reader to, to follow what's going on. One of the things, sometimes they say experience, career break, career interest, what you would do if this is done even better. And you would say why I'm interested in this employer specifically. I'm working for whatever the employer's name is for. And then you would say the employer's name. And then you would say, and then here, you would say, I took a career break to follow my husband to follow my husband. Yeah. And we're in 
California. So one of the things too, this is again, this is someone that's not a U.S. native English speaker. I rec- I would just say I recently took the California bar exam and I'm now a permanent resident, probably better. The only reason would be because talking about the, that you're following your husband is, I guess it's okay, but okay. But you, you wouldn't say California, U.S. That's not how attorneys talk. And then you would say, you would just say California. And then but this is actually a pretty good letter. I want to work in an international company. Here you would just, I'm searching for a company where I can work for several years. That's good. But you need to connect actually with the company itself. So why that company? Uh, not just because they're international. So you need to talk about why, how that company relates to exactly what you do. And then all this stuff about it be a privilege and this kind of don't talk about, I would strongly consider relocating. So the problem with all that kind of stuff is why wouldn't they just hire someone that's already in that location? So never say that. You need to say, I'm here. That's that. So the problem is like one of the things is when you start a cover letter, this is something for everyone to understand, is your cover letter is always at 100%. So just think about it that way. Then if you start writing all this other stuff, I would think about relocating there or I'm ha- I want to join a big company company because it's international, you suddenly are disqualifying yourself from a job because what you're doing is you're giving the firm reasons not to hire you. So you, if you are want to work in some place in, I don't know, in Los Angeles and you're in Los Angeles, you tell them you're in Los Angeles or that you don't say I would strongly consider relocating because no one's going to hire someone that's interested in re- may, may consider relocating if they already can hire people in that location. And if you're doing that in California, I will tell you that any employer can find people to speak Spanish in California. Let me just see here. I think I may have gotten all these cover letters. All right. If someone said, I have to leave the call. I don't know if you discussed the issue of the older attorney. You convince him to plan to stick around. Yes. I think if you're older and you plan to stick around, you could just say something along the lines of, I hope to make this my final employer or something along those lines. Let me just see if there's any other questions. And thanks everyone for all the questions today. I did appreciate they were all great questions. And yeah, and I think that's about it. I will check if you everyone got that. But if not, thanks for being on the webinar and appreciate everyone's time. Thanks. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 